So to say it's been a busy week, <laughs> wow. I'll tell you what, the world of prophecy is really starting to reveal where the players are coming from, who the players are, at least for now. And the only, the only thing unknown, really, is when exactly each thing will transpire. But as you can see, and I'm talking about the um, uh, war that's going on over there in the Middle East between Israel and its uh, unfriendly neighbors, uh, anyways, this is how quick it can happen, all right? Don't get messed up in did they know beforehand and not say and this and that. that it's out there in the media. Just shut those idiots up, all right? Just be, be done with them. The point is this. Hamas, and now Hezbollah, but Hamas on Saturday, Sabbath, <clears throat> attacked Israel. It wasn't, and it's not so much that they attacked Israel, it's the fact how they did it. They've been launching bombs every which way, and Israel has, you know, kind of consigned itself to the operation mode of, uh, well, you know, if we got to deal with a few rockets every now and then, and we're still able to pound where they come from, so that launch site will be destroyed. Anyways... So the point is, they says, you know what, we can live with that. Okay, pick your evil, right? I guess pick your Satan or devil, however they say it. So with that being said, we're going to move on here. I got a few things I want to talk to you about, but I want to make sure that we visit this Israel thing <clears throat> well enough later in the show, which we will. First, I'm going to say a prayer. The first thing I'm going to say Lord God, my Father in heaven, our Father, in the name of Yeshua, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One, in your name I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Lord. Her enemies have started to gather. It's only by your will Things will continue to happen. And we must always remember to give you praise and glory and honor for the power of your word and your will and your righteousness and your holiness will be displayed for all the world to see. There will be no more doubts, no more questions. For you, all Lord, are with us always, and we thank you. And I thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, <clears throat> for certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness, I can't say the word, blatant immorality, and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So, Without even realizing it, without even knowing it, what's being talked about here, Jude 4, is the fact that certain persons have crept in unnoticed. So these certain persons are evildoers, liars, thieves, so forth and so on, all the ragtag of, you know, Satan and his minions and dominion. And it's interesting that he goes on to say that long beforehand they were marked out for this condemnation. In other words... These ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into blatant immorality and deny Jesus Christ as Lord and Master, they were marked for condemnation long before they showed up in your, in your congregation. All right? We learn about that sort of thing, more about that, you know, predestined or destined to be this way long before. We can read about that in the story of Moses when the Lord pretty much tells Moses, hey, listen, I marked this Pharaoh out, you know, long ago in eternity past for being where he is now and being the one in power now, and he would now be the one that I would show my, <laughs> you know, my godness to her, whatever you want to call it. So there are those in the world that have been appointed and been brought up, you know, I mean, childhood, the whole nine yards, but they've been brought to, or they've been brought up by the will of God to fulfill a purpose other 
than you might think. Anyway, let's move on. So with this being said, this idiot issues, or this idiot in the White House, now the federal government has declared, stated, emphatically somewhat, nah, you know, but not really, that, you know, our support is behind Israel. <laughs> now, watch how this unfolds. Listen to this crap. The Biden administration is telling Americans who they know are stranded in Israel, all right, as the fighting rages on, they got to pay. <laughs> Listen to this. If they want the federal government to get them out of there, he's saying they got to repay it. Yeah. So, just as this idiot abandoned Americans stranded in Afghanistan, remember that one in 2022? Now they're telling U.S. citizens in Israel they got to pay the federal government for costs. Listen, last week, pretend President Joe Biden announced his intention, listen now, make a $100 billion forever payment to Ukraine that will guarantee funding for their endless war with Russia until the elections take place in 2024. $100 billion. Now, it doesn't say if that's $100 billion a year or a month. I'm hoping it's a year, all right? But either way, so $100 billion. On the other side, this week, now he's telling American citizens they got to pay to get out of there. You get it? Did you understand that? $100 billion forever to Ukraine, okay? And, oh, if you're an American that wants to get out of Israel, you, you'll have to repay us if we end up putting a bill. So according to Politico, there, many foreign airlines are, they're still operating flights, but with that being said, U.S. carriers have halted service in Israel. Done. Okay? So the State Department won't even say, based on that, I suppose, how many U.S. citizens are looking to return stateside given the fluid situation? But here's the thing. Please for help from Americans stranded in Israel. It's all over the social media and the networks and all that. There's other countries that have individuals, you know, in that location. And they, you know, this is, just to make a point here, this is how serious if, if you haven't seen pictures of what's going on, I got to tell you something. <laughs> when seasoned reporters, and not just one, several, several at least, up to this time, can't even speak, they choke up and even tear up because of <laughs> what they're saying. And what they're saying is what they saw. You understand? What they saw moved them so deep inside they could hardly give the report on the TV, you know, on the news. I've seen pictures of it, and I'm sure it's, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, I said, you got to see it in real life to believe it, like the Grand Canyon or something, whatever it might be. So the point is this, it was horrific what Hamas did. Now, with that being said, last June, oh boy, I wish I could say words. <laughs> Anyways, I won't. Last June, this buffoon sits up there in Washington. He allowed the unfreezing of $6 billion. So Iran had an account, we froze the account, and in it was $6 billion. Biden authorizes the trickling relief or release of that money to Iran, okay, a known terrorist nation. They're on the list, okay? But he goes ahead and says, here, have some of that money. Now... Two things I want to point out. Iran is not our friend. No, 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 no. Okay? 
The other thing is, <laughs> Iran is an arch enemy of Israel. And Iran would like nothing more, <laughs> along with Hamas and Hezbollah, they all would like nothing more than to see the absolute destruction and annihilation, not just the land, the people. They want every Jew dead. All right? Now, <laughs> isn't it interesting that within, you know, months of that money being released, Hezbollah invades Israel, not just bombs them, they invade them, boots on the ground, all right? First came the rockets, and when the rockets are going or not, here come these guys in the, I don't know how to describe it, a seat and a small, like, roll cage kind of thing around you, you're sitting in it, and they're flying, okay, it's got a propeller on the rear end of it, right, with a, a parachute, so they're like, motorized paragliding right into Israel and they're dropping bombs now <laughs> it's almost comical isn't it picture it in your mind right it's somewhat comical the, the worst part is it, it, it not only created a sense of panic and havoc but the level of destruction was never before seen like this on these grounds. Not to mention now, all of a sudden, they show up with these big, heavy front-end loaders and they just tear the fence down that Israel put up to keep out the, you know, Palestinians. They have certain points they have to go to to cross the border into Israel Got from Gaza. Gaza's a very small area. I think it, my wife said it's 26 by 9 miles, so 26 miles long nine miles wide, and Israel, again, is not a big country, or it's only, give or take, about the size of New Jersey. So with that being said, they take this front end loader, they plow through the gate. I mean, it's like a, pretty much like a gate or a fence you would put up, you know, between you and whatever, your neighbors, a chain link type thing. It's got razor wire on the top, but hoo-hoo, big deal. Because they tore it right down. And now, so through these openings in the fence line, there were more than one, come vehicles. Armored, well, not armored, but, you know, military-style vehicles. Loaded to the hill. Everybody's got an AK-47, at least one. I don't know how many pistols they might carry, but the, either way, so in they come. And they rape, ravage, and pillage the nation of Israel. They, in oh, unspeakable terms, really, you can't describe it, beheadings and slaughterings of entire families, including the babies. They came across one of the kibbutzes with babies that had been freaking beheaded. Listen, folks, this is Satan at work, <laughs> the angel of death, like never before. They are really, in many ways, far exceeding what the Nazis ever freaking did. Hello? Speaking of Nazis, so BLM had a big, quote-unquote, uh, gathering in New York City, and they're flashing swastika signs in their um, proclamation that they support these poor, oppressed Palestinians. They are oppressed. But the funny thing is, they're not oppressed by Israel. They have food, water, what it, you know, they freely can come and go across the border. Okay, unless rockets start flying. So on those days, you would, you know, shut the border and wait till all is clear. But it, as of now, it's not clear. No, 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 they're five days into this. And Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, He's got a reserve unit sitting there at about 360,000 individuals with another group that makes up about 600,000 total. So you're probably talking Air Force, whatever, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm thinking by what I'm reading, the 360,000 are boots on the ground. The rest of them could be, you know, supply and support and blah, blah, could be artillery. I don't know how they group it, 
But either way, over 600,000, and he in no, no uncertain terms has made it absolutely clear this is going to end now. And what he's referring to is this bullshit with Hamas. They got to go. And now Hezbollah to the north. So Israel is fighting two fronts. Which is not always a, a gallant idea, you know. You got to be careful when you do that. I, you know, hate to do this, but you could use Hitler as a recent example. You know, he was fighting on the Western Front, you know, France and so forth and whatnot. And then he picks a fight with Stalin over there in Russia. And then part of that ended up being, uh, you know, he got uh, mired in the in the winter, you know, his people. Anyway, it's, oh, I can't even begin to tell you how horrific the situation is. But let's move along. I'm going to do another story. We'll come back to that. I just want to keep things moving and things that I already had planned on talking about, so... Hillary Clinton, remember her? The witch from wherever she lives, <laughs> and Dora the witch. Hillary Clinton, speaking of witches, is a very, very, very highly esteemed and very much practicing witchcraft. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. She had her, in her section of the White House, she had a huge section just for her astrologers and card readers and whatever else she had, you know, satanic shit. But anyways... She says, here we go, Clinton on the move. Hang on. Uh, she says there needs to be not just a deprogramming, but a formal deprogramming of the Trump cult members. You're calling me part of a cult? And you as a witch? Come on, Hillary. I mean, you do know what a cult is. So maybe that's what she means to, to do here. Some kind of political fanatics. And they're out there. I'm not denying that. You know, I see some of these people, they support Trump, and I'm like, what are you doing? You know, sit down, stop. But, you know, last Thursday she called for a systematic deprogramming of Donald Trump's MAGA cult members. Whatever the reason, she says, doesn't matter. If they're a Trump MAGA supporter, deprogram. You know, Make America Great Again, which is Bozo the Clown's, uh, whatever you call it, slogan, you know, it was a bid for nostalgia to return to a place where people couldn't be in charge of their lives, or feel empowered, or say what they want, or insult whoever came in their way. I mean, those are the good old days, man. So she thinks it's like we're like a cult. Because, well, yeah, that would be freedoms, which I just said to you. Oh, because I want those, but, oh, okay, I see. Hopefully, 2024 will be the end of these people. I'm not guaranteeing things are going to go much better, even under Trump. Even under Trump. So, here's a thing I found about America's non-religious. That group that gets that title, non-religious, you know what? It's getting bigger way bigger. And it's a diverse phenomenon. In other words, it's not just one group of type believers or another. It's several. Diverse. All right? And you know what? Before I forget, as long as we're on this subject, I want to speak to my Catholic friends. If any of you out there listening are Catholic, I was too. I've been reading the book of Hebrews, and in the book of Hebrews, there's a, a lot of talk about 
temple and temple worship and temple sacrifice and why and so forth and so on. And each and every time the author, and I, I negate naming anybody because <laughs> nobody can really put their finger on it. They say one thing or another. I'm not going to go there. But either way, the author of this book lays out in very, you know, strict way. In other words, no deviation from what's going on as he compares it to what Jesus did and accomplished. And I say this book because in doing that, because when Jesus came, the sacrificial system in the temple stopped. All right? He's the ultimate sacrifice. There is no other. So you don't need to be, you know, killing any animals anymore. <laughs> so, hey, for all you, you know, animal huggers out there, you know. So you don't need to be sacrificing animals for your sin. And you sure as heck don't need to go into the Holy of Holies to, you know, uh, make a sacrifice for the nation's sin as a whole. Those days are gone. And in that went all these traditions and motions and you got to have this on and you got to do it this way and blah, 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 blah. You know what? There ain't a single person that could hold that, okay? It was way beyond true, uh, you know, adherence, you know, 110%. <clears throat> the law and its requirements was really nothing more than a way for us to see or read or hear what sin is, all right? And just because the Ten Commandments um, dictate, you know, those are the laws of God, but there was also more to it. And Jesus satisfied that, all right? He satisfied it all. No more need for sacrifices. No more need for some priest of some type or another to be your go-between. Those days are over, folks. Because what Jesus did on that cross, one of the many things that were accomplished on that cross was making it so we, as believers, could approach the mercy throne without, you know, hesitation. That's spoken of in the book of Hebrews also. The point is this. You don't have to eat wafers. You don't have to say multiple prayers over and over again, rote. Most of probably what you know as an adult Catholic is by rote, right? This is the part where we stand. This is the part where we're this and that. I remember that. And it meant nothing. There, You know what? <laughs> Because the amount of scripture was so minimal, you really couldn't get anything. And then the priest starts talking, blah, blah, you know, and so forth. You know, the whole mass, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm just trying to get you to that place where you realize, I don't need to be doing this anymore. <laughs> oh, glory, hallelujah. I can raise my hands or not. I can bend a knee or not. I can wear one thing or another. I can be any place. I can actually be wearing anything. And all I need to do is open my mouth, Lord, Father, God in heaven, or however, all right? In Jesus' name, so we, you know what? He paid the price. <laughs> he, he, he's the man, right? Okay, he's, we go through him, all right? Jesus says anybody and anything before him, liars, thieves, Stealer, you know, just Satan. And anything after him, obviously. So the thing is this. Back to the, so, you know, I hope you understand. The shift away from religion <laughs> amongst the younger people is really, really a lot. 43% of 18 to 29-year-old Americans. So they respond none when they ask what religion. It was only a few decades ago that Christian identity was so common. That's what I say when I say a lot of times, never thought we'd see these days, you know, or right? I mean, there's been a huge shift, huge shift. 
when you look at the rock and roll coming into the 50s and then the 60s came and we got hippies and we got, you know, no more marriage, let's just live together, all kinds of sexual deviancy. And then we hit the abortion thing in the 70s. That was minor compared to what this is. All right? Because all those sins can be forgiven. That's right. Every one of them. So don't think you sinned in some way that's so bad, God can't, you know, you can't be forgiven. That's not how this works. We can't see it on human, you know, man, you know, earthly terms, right? Okay, so there's that. But the disbelief is not forgivable. And that's what's going on here. This is a, a steadily shrinking share of young adults. And um, amazingly, they were raised Christian in childhood. And a lot of them, they retained their religious identity for, you know, quite a while. Okay? But at the same time, this having no quote-unquote religious affiliation is, well, <laughs> it's vogue. It's like in, hip, you know? So... I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. I don't know if I should say she and he. I don't know if I can say I can say. We got to change the names of football teams. We got to tear down statues. We got to take some black lady's picture off of a pancake box and syrup. Need I say more? This is what happens when you <laughs> don't believe. Or what you believe is so freaking screwed up. You know, it's like, wait, what? It's like you were making a cake and your eggs were one religion and flour was a whole bunch of other one. you know, and you mix them all together and get a cake, right? Well, that's not how this works. You don't get a nice cake at the end. No, sorry. I don't want to bust your bubble. This, you know... More and more people are going through this. So don't be surprised when you come across them. With each generation, fewer adults are retaining the Christian identity that they were raised with. And that means, that translates into fewer parents are raising their children in Christian households. So they, the parent, okay, let's just quickly review that. They, the parent... They were brought up in a Christian home and they attended a Christian church. But in the end, they decided not to, not, not only not to affiliate, but when you don't affiliate, when you don't do anything to produce good fruit in your relationship with God, but the tree withers and dies. Remember when Jesus saw the fig tree? Now everybody says it was Israel, you know, he was talking about Israel, and he, he was. He was making, you know, an analogy of he come to a fig tree, and it was fig time, and there were no figs on it. And he says, you know what? You're cursed. Die. You'll never grow so much as a bud. And the tree died instantly. And the leaves fell to the ground, and, it, you know, it was a bare tree. So you can very easily connect that to Israel, right? So... But the other thing is this, the tree or a tree always represents not just Israel, but man, a person, okay? So, or a group of people. So as a person and as a group, so those still in church, but they don't believe anymore. They're dead leaves. And when your leaves all fall, you're no good for anything then to cut you down and Use you for kindling. The analogy is, you know, you're going to burn in hell forever because of your disbelief. In Daniel, we read 7, Daniel 7, bleh, Daniel 7, 13 to 14. I'm going to move on. Listen to this. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. 
Listen, folks, what you are hearing right there is Daniel is describing our Lord with the clouds of heaven. And they, he, he came to the Ancient of Days. So he came to God the Father. And those that directly minister to our, you know, our Lord God the Father, they brought him near to him. So they brought Jesus closer to God. Here, stand before him. And there was given, listen now, this is what he got. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, all people, nations, languages, religion, should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, that which not shall be destroyed. <laughs> so hearing that part, I got to tell you, I think it's plenty plain to see or you could surmise, however you want to look at it, this is after Jesus was crucified and he presented himself before the Ancient of Days, which is an extra-biblical term that's used a lot of times to represent our, you know, God our Father. But hey, can you imagine seeing that? That's like, oh, and what's great about it is this. At the time of Daniel, Jesus hadn't come yet. So he got to see something that was still yet to happen on down the road. Not sure how many, you know, several hundred years or at least a few hundred years down the road. He was shown this. Oh, 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 Daniel, what a blessed and lucky man you are. And that's what the angel said when, when Daniel was, <laughs> so to speak, hanging by a thread, waiting for an answer to a prayer that he had, you know, said, okay? And, well, something, something is holding it up. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Revelation 17, all the way to the end. Turn those pages. Revelation 17. A woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls. She was holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman. She was drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I first became a Christian, I was immediately filled with the Holy Spirit, and it was a, a physical feeling, and I was scared to death. You know, what the heck? Just, you know, I, and I always I've told this story, but if you haven't heard it, I lived kitty corner just across the street from where I was. My buddy and I were out playing, shooting some hoops on a nice summer night, and I said, man, you got to walk me home. I'm so scared, blah, 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 and he didn't. So when I went home, I got a hold of our Bible from wherever I don't know. And I said, God, if you're the God that Jimmy says you are, prove it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of like really tempting God, and you're not supposed to do that, or daring God. I dare you. Kind of like what they said to Jesus, right? Show us a sign. He says, an evil and wicked generation asked for a sign. But you know what? If you want a sign, I'll give you one. As Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale or the fish or whatever you want to use, okay? So will the Son of Man spend in the grave. Which is interesting because in saying that, Jesus set a time 
72 hours, all right? Even though he's eternal, he made time too. So 72 hours. You don't get 72 hours from Friday to Sunday. No, sir, you do not. But you do from Wednesday to Saturday. Yes, sir, you do. That's another story. The point is this. I went home and I, I dared God, and I opened the Bible to this. And immediately, it was like being in a surround environment where these images, both still and moving, were on these, you know, like just in our parlance, screens, but they weren't really, there weren't really screens there. Anyways, all this I see. And I go, what in the frickin' Sam Hill was that? And more came, and more came. That's how it started. That's how it started. When I read those colors and everything, and the jewels and all that, I thought about all the glitz and glamour that the, the Catholic Church, you know, shows, right? Whole showing off. And the, and the church I knew at that time in my life was, yeah, probably it could be full of abominations and stuff. But either way, the Bible's telling me in that day, so maybe not yet. Here's the other thing. So I don't know if that's the, you know, I just, I just want to say that's, that was the launching. So this thing about Babylon. So, in, you know, you, Jesus said about Sodom and Gomorrah and things as if it was still, but it wasn't. It was destroyed, you know, a couple, two, three hundred years before or something or more. Anyways, but he uses it to make a point. Now, in this respect, because remember, these empires are controlled by not just multiple spirits, but they have, like, you know, the boss, okay, of that empire, quote-unquote, we can read about that in the book of Daniel when Gabriel says, you know, I meant to get here earlier because as soon as you said that prayer, blessed art thou, Daniel, you know, your prayer was answered. But I got into a tough with the king, you know, the prince of Persia, blah, 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 and Michael came and helped me, and that's how I finally got here. Man, they're talking about wrestling and fighting with another angel, a fallen one, maybe, I don't know, doesn't say, that is responsible for Persia, which is modern-day Iran. So is it possible, I believe so, that in this case, it's a reference to a situation, a place, a time, a people, blah, 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 but it's not Babylon itself, but it represents the lifestyles and the things that were going on at the time of the Babylon incident, you know, the Tower of Babel and all that in the book of Genesis. So therefore, this is what we see. This is describing the church. This is what John saw in his visions. This is what he saw as a description of the end-time church. Blasphemous names. arrayed so beautifully. And she thinks that her abominations and impurities of the sexual immorality is a good thing. Hey, look at this, you know, blah, blah, blah. The book of Revelations, listen to this now, is an art gallery. It really is. It really, <laughs> I gotta tell you, it's a pretty colorful book. <laughs> you know, if it was a coloring book, Man, you could have probably 200 painted pens or whatever. I'm just making, I guess, a point, I hope, you know. But the, the whole tapestry of the Bible is like that, you know. Each piece of that quilt fits in its place, just like a puzzle. You know, you couldn't put the piece of Persia in yet because it wasn't time. So you didn't even, you know, okay, well, I, I don't know where it goes, you know, I don't know, whatever. You see what I'm saying? When you read the Old Testament, okay, which I know a lot of you people don't, and I know that a lot of you people don't have a freaking clue why what's going on in Israel is important, 
And if that's the church you go to, and if your pastor won't even talk to you about whatever, or he has some kind of lackluster understanding or whatever, get out of there. You're not learning anything you need to be learning. You already know the ABCs of being a Christian. Paul talks about that in Hebrews too. Come on, let's move past that, you know, Jesus loves me, this sign, no. Get past that, he says. You're over here sucking milk from the breast when you should be eating meat. Right? You should be teachers by now. Anyway. We have, you know, so many lessons from the past that are <laughs> our future, our, our time now. We have to understand that the Word of God is fluid. All right? The prophets spoke what they were told to say, and it was, you know, the idea was right here and now, but it was future tense. So we got to remember that the Old Testament is not over. No. Uh-uh. Just like Jesus said, everything will pass away but his words. So those are his words. All right? And they're still there for us to read. So it would behoove you to get on your knees and start praying about it for some wisdom, you know, and whatnot. And don't look to the culture that you live in. Because listen... The devil attacks God's people <laughs> right through the front door. And how, you know, he does it through government persecution. He does it with an, a seductive, idolatrous culture. No enemy of God's people will finally stand. The Lord has a day, and that day is coming. Thanks be to God. It says in Psalms 94, for the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. Now, there's the Jewish thing, right? But we as believers are now included in that inheritance. Mm -hmm. The enemy, again, right through the front door, but again, you know, back door, side door, whatever door. And... Look at everything that you see, I mean, really, on the media. We can't... <laughs> we can't ignore it anymore. It's not going to go away. A festering wound is not going to go away. And probably the worst thing that could happen in our nation at this time is to ignore these warnings. And you can't ignore history. It's a terrible thing to ignore the fallen human nature of mankind and what he's capable of doing to other humans. And, you know, it has been a terrible thing for America to be guilty of doing all of these things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I've talked about this individual before, Pastor Bonhoeffer. It's an amazing story. I mean to tell you. Gave Hitler the middle finger, spit in his face. Paid, paid for it with his life. But either way, he wasn't, he didn't, he, no, I'm not having any of this shit. Excuse my language. Oh, no, no, no. No. He gave a sermon one time. I was just reading this the other day. At, uh, uh, let me think of the name. Kaiser Wilhelm Memorial Church. I knew it was Wilhelm, but I couldn't remember Kaiser. So anyways, the sermon was about to, to, to get the people to see the dangerous course of forsaking the ways of God for this satanic national socialist government. So Bonhoeffer was, <laughs> he wasn't blind to what these national socialists or Nazis were up to and what they were going to do. But you know what happened? Nothing. Here, and this guy was like Spurgeon or something. I mean, this guy, you know, he knew his stuff. And it's interesting that he took the course in life that he did. 
because he grew up very well taken, very well. Anyways, it was a wake-up call, and it didn't even, nobody even opened an eye, so to speak. They just wanted to play at having church. They didn't want to really be a church. They didn't really want to do what the Lord says we should be doing. I mean, there's a multitude of things, different projects of whatever type. When you're building a house, everybody can have a different job or work on the same job, whatever. But you're working. And if you're not working, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, your leaves are going to start falling off. If the, you know, if the, if the, if, if these followers uh, of Jesus Christ and the citizens of America, if we continue on our present course regarding religion and politics, if we don't start looking to our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, we're looking at the final days of liberty and freedom in America, in the world. Once you lose it, you don't get it back. Oh, nay, nay. Uh-uh. No. No. Gone. Forever. Poo-hoo. Bye-bye. History books. And, you know, they say history books. History is written by the, the conqueror, right? I can't even begin to think of how they're going to lay this one out. But there's all kinds of evidence that this is, you know, what Bonhoeffer did and what the, what the prophets did. They warned Israel multiple times. Stop doing what you're doing in, in direct violation of everything and anything that God wants and is and has and, and doing this other thing. Just stop it. But they didn't. And they... <laughs> It cost them big time. Big time. Yeah, yeah. If we forsake God, another thing, you know, if we forsake God, we're no longer salt and light to our nation. Jesus talks about that. Says if salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. And every one of us is guilty of allowing Satan to accomplish more in our nation than he ever should have been allowed to do. Ever. We all are guilty. Just like we all are guilty of holding that hammer in our hands and pounding in those spikes that held our Lord onto that cross. Oh, dear God. There's a guy, Ray Bolts, B-O-L-T-Z. He had this album out. I, man, I kid you not. About every song, I was in tears. Oh, my gosh. Um, I can't remember the name of the album. But he got a song that, you know, talks about the Lamb of God and so forth. And the kids are going to with their dad to Jerusalem to make a sacrifice because it's the uh, Holy Day uh, Passover which at that time coincided with the crucifixion of Christ. And the father told his son, watch the lamb, watch the lamb. In other words, pay attention to that lamb. That's what we have to have to, you know, bring to the temple. And when he got into Jerusalem proper, oh my gosh, what a, what a commotion was going on. Oh, it was something like panic and fear and what, you know, all kinds of things. Soldiers were highly, you know, visible out in the, you know, watching the people and whatever. It was just a weird feeling. Well, in the course of events trying to get to the temple, the crowd was pushing and shoving so hard that the kid lost the lamb. And at the same time that they realized the lamb got away, they realized they were standing in view of Jesus on the cross. And suddenly the father had a revelation. And his son said, I lost the lamb. And his father said, there's the lamb. 
Keep your eye on the lamb. Oh, just, oh, busted up and teared like a little kid. So, anyways, with that being said, we don't have preachers that deal with cultural issues. We don't have politicians that really have a friggin' clue. All right? We have one of our greatest allies right now, Israel, under the gun, like never before. Like never before. I read a story today that a father actually welcomed the news that his eight-year-old daughter, Emily, was killed by Hamas rather than being taken hostage, kidnapped, because they were doing that. He says death was a blessing because to be in their, in their, you know, in their hands under their, well, she better off dead. It, I mean, but sometimes, right? I mean, come on. Sometimes. Then, you know, the baby thing. They're going into these houses they're calling them houses of horror. Isn't that, I mean, that's just, hello, uh, you know? And these are, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Seasoned reporters. Oh, look at this headline. I don't want to tell you about it. Talk about it next time. But it's just, the point is this, folks. The nations are lining up, all right? And how it works is because, you know, you're part of a group of nations that promise to support each other, no matter who the enemy is. And so we have the USS Gerald Ford and its carrier group, and now we have another one that's heading in there, all right? When it says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, this is why. God, <laughs> you know, way back in Psalms when that got written, it was a long time ago. There was no Washington, D.C. or Moscow or anything like that. But there was Jerusalem, and that's where God put his mark. That's mine, right? That's why all this squabbling goes on. This doesn't have to do with a lot of the political nonsense. No, 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 no. This is a highly spiritual event taking place. All right? So, even in our time, that hasn't changed. It's written in the Psalms, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Nowhere in the entire scripture does it ever mention anything to do with or about us. You know, pray for the peace of Washington or whatever. So, apparently, <laughs> Israel is what you could call the golden child, right? Like my little brother, I used to call him the golden child. Oh, how I hated that kid. Oh, every favor he ever wanted. Oh, of course, Marky. Anyways, I love that kid to death today, though. He's a good kid. He always was. One time I said, why did you ever, like, you know, use drugs or whatever? Are you kidding me, he says? Being at those beer balls where you guys used to get all high and everything, he says, act like a bunch of fools. He says, no thanks. <laughs> well, I never quite saw myself like that, brother, but thanks for bringing it up. Anyway, everybody has, you know, <laughs> baggage in their closet. Everybody has that sin that, oh, my gosh, I don't even want to talk about it to ask forgiveness for it. Because it just ugh, puts the chills down my spine when I talk about it. Well, you know what? God already knows. God understands. Not that, you know, <laughs> oh, that's okay. I understand why you do that sin. Go ahead. No, not that kind of understanding. Oh, that would be the ringtone for my wife. So I got to take a pause here. Just a minute. That was a wife calling. I'm on my way home. Do you need anything? You know, to avoid that deal when you get home and you go, son of a gun, I was supposed to get that. Anyway, 
trying to sweep this under the rug or like Scarlett O'Hara said in the Gone with the Wind movie, oh, fiddly D, I'll deal with it tomorrow. This is the kind of thing where, I mean, if you fiddly D, you'll deal with it tomorrow. So many different things. Some of them come come around and bite you in the butt because you didn't take care of it when, you know, at first. This is one of those things where it needs top priority. There should be nothing else. Your focus and your goal as an unsaved believer, you believe, but you're not saved. That's the key. Being born again and be, being saved, being born again, whatever you want to call it, reconciles us to the Lord. And now the Lord and we can have communion. And I'm not talking about the communion at the church. I'm talking about communion we're talking, right? And Jesus, let's say he's our lawyer, right? But he's the prosecutor too. <laughs> but he takes our prayers or when our prayers go to the Father, he says, oh, you know what? Washed in the blood, Lord. The sins are forgiven and forgotten. Not just forgiven, forgotten. But those that aren't saved, it's just a bunch of nonsensical noise. You understand? For God to hear you and to bless you the way you want in his word, you, you really got to be born again to get it. So I hope you do. I hope that today is the day that you reconcile yourself to the Lord, that you no longer stand on the periphery, not sure how to make a decision. Make the decision. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you make a decision not to, that's fine too. But I just want to warn you of what's coming in the end. I hope today's your day. God bless everybody. Going to let you go. I hate to let you go, but I got to let you go. And, you know, keep your eye on Israel because uh, this is really heating up. All right? This guy, Netanyahu, their prime minister, he's a no-bullshit <laughs> no kind of guy. All right? Kind of like Trump. The problem for Netanyahu, if anything, is politics. All right. And with that being said, <laughs> we'll have to see what happens. But in his mind, they've actually formed a unity government. So it would be the equivalent of like the Republicans and the Democrats for the time being, because they have one goal, one, one, one thing on their mind, and they share that. So him and the, and, and, and the uh, opposition party, his party and the opposition party, so it would be like the Republicans and the Democrats, forming uh, a government for this period of time. So it's important. It's serious. In 1973... Israel fought a horrific war. And for all analysis and so forth and commentators, blah, 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 and especially for those that remember 1973 and see this, they all say the same thing. Oh, my God. And like I said, reporters come to tears. Some can't even speak at all. They got to, it might take a minute, you know. You want to see some good news stories, solid, go to Jerusalem Post. Another one is a Daily Mail. It's out of England. So there's a few there. You can go to Drudge Report, and down on the left-hand side, they have all these other outlets, you know, news. And in the center, they have individuals that you can, like, you know, zoom in on in particular. Say like, you know, you want to read a story in the Gazette, but you, you don't want to have to deal with the whole Gazette. You know, you just want to get to the story. 
So if you know who wrote the story or something, you can pick that individual in that center column. Or some of those individuals in the center column have their own websites with this kind of information on it. So that there's that. Get yourself a King James Bible. And I say King James only because in translations, different, you know, it's the closest you're going to get to the real deal. If you want, get a Jewish Bible, a complete Jewish Bible. I think they're around 30 bucks or so. You can get hardcover or softcover. But either way, get moving.